going on you luscious looking ligers? Welcome to this week's episode of Total Pod Mode. My name is James, also known as Mr. Bames, and I'm joined as always by the wondrous Will, also known as Hoodafunk. What's up James? Good to be here for another episode of Total Pod Mode. What you got lined up for us this week, buddy? Well, this week we've got the catch-up as usual. We've got some interesting stories in the news. Takes us on a whole gambit of emotions. We've got, unfortunately, another shitty release. We've got a potential redemption story and then hopefully some cause for optimism. But we'll get into all that a bit later. Sounds good, man. And then we round off the show with part two of our Odyssey into Half-Life 2. How will the story end? Who knows? Genuinely, genuine question. Who knows? I don't fucking know and I finished it. <laughs> but before we get into all that, how about them socials? You can, as always, find the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and pretty much anywhere else you get your podcasts by searching for Total Pod Mode. We also post regular video content of our playthroughs, stream highlights, as well as the podcast on our YouTube channel, Total Pod Mode. You can also find us on Twitter by searching for at Total Pod Mode, all one word. Or you can find me at Hoodafunk on Twitter, and I'm also on Twitch under twitch.tv forward slash Hoodafunk. And you can find me on Twitter at MrBames, and I'm also on Twitch under twitch.tv forward slash MrBames underscore TPM. So, Will, how you been this week, man? What have you been playing? I know that you had some lofty goals after your great success last week. How'd you get on? Well, man, so I'm pleased to say that I definitely found some time this week to play Resident Evil 4, although I maybe didn't make as much progress as I'd have liked to. As it had been quite some time since I last actually picked up the game, I decided that it was a good opportunity to start it from the beginning and map out the area once again. Yeah, I was going to ask you if that's what you'd done, because you mentioned you were thinking about it. I was, yeah. A lot of this game involves quite a lot of backtracking and covering old areas, and I wanted to make sure I had the kind of mental map of those freshly emblazoned on the cranium, rather than kind of vaguely remembering other old puzzles that i've been trying to solve sort of over a month ago i think it's been now oh damn really doesn't feel like it came out a month ago i i I don't know because you got it unreleased didn't you i think i did yeah it's probably almost a month ago now i think it feels like it's been longer for some reason a lot of times passed since then man i managed to complete a good chunk of breath of the wild since then so and what 70 percent of a battle pass so yeah 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 we're doing good there so i may have overestimated that on last week's episode i think i've just hit 70 percent now so uh i think to your credit you did say it was like 67 68 I'm right yeah 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 i i think uh even that might have been a bit optimistic but i have finally managed to achieve the statement that i made last week so better late than never. no take backs uh just uh delayed achievement you were just giving yourself your flowers before you earned them that's right fine. that's it that's a little <laughs> premature celebration there I suffer from premature congratulations. So uh, back to Resident Evil 4, I did manage to finally actually get up to the El Gigante boss fight, which was awesome for a number of reasons. Number one, the remake character model looks absolutely horrifying and sick. Looks like they've done a fantastic job of capturing everything that the original had, plus more. Uh, Very, very creepy movements. Also, the boss fight plays out very similarly to the original as well, in the way that it moves and attacks you. Uh, another huge reason that this boss fight is such a fan favorite is the fact that the goddamn doggo shows up there he is and it is way cooler than it was in the original the dog is much more of an active combatant that doesn't just kind of antagonize the guy at one point it even uh bites its back leg in a cutscene and manages to bring it down onto the ground for another opportunity if you'll remember this is a guy that is essentially just like a kind of a giant he looks like a a kind of a gray hulk i guess a gray bald hulk (laughs) i I was i had like Rock troll in my mind when I saw him. I was like, this motherfucker's a big old Shrekky looking Hulk guy. Yeah. He's definitely got some of that going on as well, for sure. 
as you start to lower his health down, the parasite sort of bursts out of his back, and that's the weak point. And you can do the same approach where you kind of run up it, jump onto its back, and then you can slash at it with your knife. You can also stand back and shoot it with a shotgun. Uh, but the wolf just gives you another opportunity to do that. And then, unlike the original, where it kind of uh, sort of just runs off, you actually get the wolf sat on the side of the boss arena and you get a nice little line of dialogue if Leon approaches it at the end of the boss fight as well. And the question everyone wants to know, Will, can you pet it? Do you know what, James? I'm sad to say, I don't think you can pet it. I, uh, oh, yeah, I did not see an opportunity to pet the doggo, unfortunately. It's kind of like sat off on a ledge that's slightly above you so uh, okay. yeah it's not like kind of sat on the ground next to you that's that's better it's better but you yeah. know it's still i'd like an opportunity if you've got a dog in the game you need an opportunity to pet it at one point or another oh, oh you've changed that, this isn't <laughs> the will that i know and love from playing the division <laughs> hey listen those goddamn dogs on the streets of the division were a whole set of rabid animals they were yeah they were yeah shoot first ask questions later <laughs> So after getting up to that boss fight, I finally managed to actually rescue Ashley shortly after that through to the church. And they've done, once again, a really good job on Ashley, the voice actor, as well as the model uh, and the design. They've pulled it off really well. It all looks kind of suitably enough like the original whilst also being updated. Ashley is much less annoying and whiny and much more of a kind of fleshed out character compared to her counterpart in the original. Probably a good decision. It's only a good thing, yeah, absolutely. Also, the method that you communicate with her is different now as well. She has two modes which not only affect her positioning from you, but also her AI a little bit. She has the kind of uh, stick close option, or she has the stick further back option. The stick close, she'll kind of tail you, and uh, that's much better for sort of moving around. And then you have the stay far back option, which is much better for defending a location or holding a point, because at that point she'll kind of avoid the enemies and... Like once again, her AI is much more developed in terms of looking after herself. She would tend to just kind of stay hunched on the floor until she was carried off by one of the uh, Ganado dudes in the original. Yeah, or, or stand up right in the in line of your shot. Yes. And then, yeah. and then you can't shoot because you can't shoot Ashley. Yes, yeah, yeah. So that's obviously still in the in the game, but she seems to kind of behave much better now in this one, which is, is great. Not to say that she was a real pain in the first game, because... They routinely, through a lot of these sections, have places where you could just tell her to hide and then call her out when the section was done. Which I never found any of. Yeah. <laughs> I think you need to kind of be running up against all the walls to figure out where you can actually interact with. So I haven't really engaged with any of that. If it does exist in the remake, I haven't really progressed much further past that point. Well, yeah, funnily enough, I actually saw a little bit of this of gameplay of this game live. Um, Sai was playing Shouts to Sai um, and... Uh, he was at the section like he he's completed it but he was started again he was at the section where he'd just done the del lago boss fight he was like in the boat going across into all these caves and doing puzzles in the caves and i was like that that wasn't in the original god damn but it was kind of it was giving me a lot more god of war-y vibes 100 they, they've massively expanded that lake section only for the benefit that is the first time i've seen that they've actually added something kind of completely outside the realms of the original one uh, which was which was really cool yeah no only positive things to say about that there's actually a puzzle that takes place in the original early on and they kind of brought that back in that section as well it's when we have to spin a dial round to hit certain symbols they kind of refresh the puzzle and put it back in in that section as well so they do a really good job of even if you might feel a slight hint of disappointment that the game isn't exactly 
how you used to be. You'll see a puzzle and you think, oh, they've missed that. You know, everything else is perfect, but they've missed that. It has a real good tendency of actually putting that in just a little bit further down the line, and it's that's done to great effect in this game. Yeah, just make it a little bit different, but still the same, as you said when you first reviewed it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, only good things to say about this. Uh, yeah, real great stuff. And I'm looking forward to taking on the Chief, I suppose, in my Lex playthrough, because I think that's where I'm headed next. Big Chief Sheddy Boy. Yeah, so I still haven't left the village yet. But uh, I think shortly after killing Mendez or Menendez, then you uh, head straight to the castle. Yeah, I think so. Next week on Total Bob Mode. <laughs> but uh, so that's kind of me for the week, man. What about yourself? What have you been up to? So this week I finished off Elden Ring, Ooh. which actually happened a lot quicker than I thought it was going to. I actually did that the day after the podcast that morning. All right. So who did you fight then on this round of the bosses? So this round um, I fought, well, actually I fought Fire Giant after we'd finished recording and we'd finished talking that night um, and then went to bed after that. So I did um, Malekith, uh, Horolu, obviously Radigan and Elden Beast, um, Placidus Axe, the dragon, the two-headed dragon. Oh yeah, nice. I don't know if I... I th- Oh no, I think I must have got Duplicitous Axe because I think I got the achievement for that one. Yeah, there's two. There's one that's um, Fortis Axe who you have to do the, um, you know, Huggy Lady, Fear. Yep, yep, Fear. You have yeah. to do her quest line right through to completion to fight, get that fight. Fear, the uh, village bike of the lands between. <laughs> if that's how you want to interpret it, yeah, I suppose. Hey, I don't know much about Elden Ring, but I know that. I am pleased to see you again. Would you like me to hold you? Once more. I, I say uh, that Rani's more of a hoe than any of the others. I mean, she's got every she's got everyone simping for her ending, right? Oh, the the blessed it was the Age of Stars. I think so. That's what I went for as well. Yeah, everyone everyone pretty much did that as their first one. She gives you a little body pillow of herself. What's there not to like? Does she? You get the little doll. Yeah, it's a little that. doll. It's not so much a body pillow, more of a doll. Yeah, that you just keep in your pocket and can't interact with, but you can talk to it occasionally, I suppose. Yes. Yeah. Um, but no, I think other than those, I obviously there would have been some other minor ones, I think. There was probably a couple of dragon knights that I did. I did a few in the dungeons and stuff like that. I fought a good few of them gargoyles. Like, not the pair, because I'd done that previously, but there was a few more that I fought just randomly. Oh, yeah, Got they're not three too bad. sentinels, things like that. Yeah, so it wasn't too bad. And it was so much easier this second time round. I think I inferred that last week, and it continued to be so... Um, I managed to get all of the legendary armaments, all of the legendary talismans, all that good stuff, and I still finished forty hours quicker than I did my first time. So it was just, it was so damn man, I'm making good time. Yeah, and I think like Malekith, who I thought was the hardest boss in my first playthrough, I did second time. Everything was just that bit easier this second time, sort of knowing the patterns, mm, having mm. a much more sort of honed-in character with better talismans and things like that, more suitable talismans and things like that. It was just a much more easy experience. And because that finished much quicker than I thought it was going to, I wasn't quite ready to sort of give up on the Souls-like. Um, so I actually started playing Dark Souls 1. Oh, right. Went back to the, uh, I guess, the well, not the classic classic, but no, the classic. OG for me. OG yeah, for me, because yeah, yeah. I've never played Demon's Souls. But yeah, I did. I've been meaning to do a strength build in Dark Souls 1 for ever and ever. And so... I set myself the task of doing just that and not using pyromancy at all because pyromancy is how I've won. OP as fuck. Is in, in new game, it's OP as fuck. I think it diminishes as you get into the new game pluses because it doesn't scale with any of your stats. Right, But in yeah. the new game, if you get the max pyromancy glove like from doing the... I can't remember her name. It begins with Q, but like the pyromancy side quest. Quaylag, is it? Quaylag's the boss, um, but it's uh, it's uh, the bed of chaos's daughter. <laughs> right. Okay. And she, and she's like a, a pyromancy 
trainer type thing. She's like chilling in Blight Town. But yeah, so I, but I've always used that. And I've used, you know, you can one shot with the final boss with a well-timed pyromancy. So just to give you an idea how strong it is. So I've gotten through pretty much the entire game now. Funnily enough, I had some will luck. For the, for the listeners, that means whenever Will kills a Black Knight in the game, like, the first one he kills, he always gets a Black Knight sword. It just always happens. It's just predestined. Uh, I don't know what it, it is. is, but my uh, item pickup luck is through the roof for whatever reason on Dark Souls. And it must have rubbed off onto me this run, because I kid you not, my first three Black Knights were Black Knight Sword, Black Knight Great Sword, second Black Knight Sword. No way! Awesome. Did you dual wield the Black Knight sword? No, you can't dual wield in Dark Souls one oh, particularly I effectively, yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. So I actually have since then got the Black Knight halberd as well. I've got the set. <laughs> nice. That's really cool. It's amazing, isn't it? I've never had all of them in one run before. And I'm using the Black Knight greatsword because it scales better with strength than the Black Knight sword. It's much slower to swing, but when it hits, it is ridiculous. It's true. I was hoping that I would get the greatsword, but I think on my playthrough where I completed the game and did complete it with the sword i didn't actually manage to get the great sword in that run i don't think second one i got it i couldn't believe it the one in undead parish on top of the tower perfect yeah nice i was just like hell yeah the one just outside taurus beast dropped me the black knight sword and i couldn't quite use it there and then unfortunately but then i got the second one and it was just like because i've spec for strength obviously and it's just been curtains ever since for the game really i have not struggled since i got that weapon i know i know yeah as long as you keep leveling it up in time with the uh titanite shards that you're getting i've got it plus five already yeah as long as you keep doing that it just shreds through the game yeah because i got lucky with a lot of um the uh, crystal lizards they dropped like two twinkling titanites because nice, i think a lot of those yeah. drops are random they are there is some sort of luck associated with that as well and i and also i was getting like really good luck with like you know the um you can get certain enemies that drop twinkling titanite as well like yeah. a really rare drop i was getting obscene luck i, I just had a really lucky run because um i also got some pretty ridiculous rng um with better chaos in the end like they just let me do it quite simply oh did you do that first try as well then no not first try no, no god okay, no yeah. I, I got both of the sides first try like no problem at all like, i didn't even attack i'm pretty sure but then um it, it ganked me a few times but then the run i did get get it which i think was like sixth time so it wasn't like amazing yeah but it was just really good rng it just didn't do anything oh nice basically. nice yeah that can be a tricky boss fight there and you can get really unlucky if he just does the wrong move at the wrong time it's kind of a guaranteed death yeah because she can slap you out of the air yeah if you try and jump down in the final bit and it's just brutal but yeah i really haven't struggled with any of the bosses i mean i know these ones like pretty well at this stage but it's just op with this sword man and i've got like 60 strength and it scales to a b yeah it does kind of break the game a little bit if you keep going with it but uh hey it's a fun way to play yeah and it is very different because of the slow swing speed yeah it's you have to true. time stuff a lot better but you the arc you get on it and you've got like a decent amount of range i've played with a spear before which has really good range but this is just something else with the damage output and it's the only time i've ever seen any form of stagger in dark souls one because i've never used heavy weapons i always use like a sword and then pyromancy yeah the, the values for those seemed much tighter than they got in some of the later games like in bloodborne it kind of felt like everything staggered even stuff that you wouldn't necessarily expect to stagger like the whip yeah oh, that threaded cane was obscene though. yeah the threaded cane yeah yeah oof, so good especially against amelia put it in like whip mode it's like just tears her apart great game but yeah that's really it man just get getting on dark souls i will finish it by the next week comfortably i've only got two bosses of dlc and then the final boss left to do nice looking forward to seeing how you get on with next week man but with that i think we're about done with the catch-up so why don't we talk about this week's news (laughs) 
So as I intimated at the top of the show, we unfortunately kick off this week with another shitty game release. Another one? Another one. Yeah, another one, man. And unfortunately, this time it's Redfall, a game that a lot of people were looking forward to. It is released in an awful state by all accounts, being described as a flat, dull experience that lacks any of Arcane's usual brilliance. It's been so bad that even Phil Spencer, the Xbox chief himself, has felt the need to apologise, and this is a quote now, stating, I'm disappointed. I'm upset with myself. I kind of revisit our process. I think back to the announcement of 60 frames per second, and then we weren't shipping 60 frames per second. That was kind of our punch in the chin, rightfully, a couple of weeks ago. And then seeing the game come out and the critical response was not what we wanted, it's disappointing. Disappointing is right. That is uh, definitely the, the right word there. And I think that the 60 frames per second down to a locked 30 frames per second on consoles isn't even really at the core issue of a lot of the problems I've got with this game. But he actually continues interestingly saying that delaying Redfall's release um, wouldn't have solved its most fundamental problems because whilst there are clear quality issues, the bigger problem is that the game isn't realising the creative vision it had for the players. I think that that is, yeah, that's right on the money there. What I've seen of the gameplay of this game, it looks remarkably soulless in terms of the way that your characters operate, the way that they look. Honestly, we've been playing Half-Life throughout this week and past a few fancy processing effects and additional lighting things, uh, there isn't like a, a great deal of difference in terms of the way that this game looks in a lot of the more sort of urban sections at least. For context, that's a 2004 game. Yeah, exactly that. We're at a kind of a 19-year-old game at this point that uh, looks... Like, I'm not about to say that it looks better than Redfall, that would be unfair, but it looks like they could have been released in the same year, if you feel me. Damning. The soullessness in terms of the way that the characters operate, even just things like the gun reload animations, are just the blandest, most copy-paste, default-looking animations that you've seen. Really? They look very much just like stock animations that they've slid in. There's no attitude to anything the guns look very uninspired and the way that the attachments just kind of like look like super glued onto the guns. There was nothing in the game that caught my attention really. And another big, big problem that I've seen is that enemy AI looks absolutely awful and not very fun to fight against at all. A lot of the time they're either just kind of mindlessly wandering and ignoring the player or kind of prioritizing the wrong things to attack. And obviously that is a big problem in a game where it's kind of core focus is eliminating enemies with guns it really is just kind of marketed and based around that kind of idea of what do i want to do i kind of want to play a mindless shooter with the boys then this is the game for you kind of thing yeah how can you have enemies ignoring you if that's the case that doesn't yeah make sense. The, the ai in the game appears to be broken uh and if it's intentional then i don't know what the hell they were thinking <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah honestly uh this looks like it's shaping up to be one of the more disappointing releases of this year, which is a real shame, given that this has come from Arcane and obviously published by Bethesda. Yeah, and was very much being looked forward to by a lot of people. And of course, this has the knock-on effect that the state of that this game's released in has actually had many people now questioning what Starfield going to look like at the end of the year. Obviously, another big Bethesda title. Does Starfield have an online element, do you know? That's something I haven't really read or heard too much about. I kind of felt like this was a single-player experience. Not that I'm aware of. Mm, I'm pretty mm. sure it is single-player. I think, ultimately, uh, Starfield is being produced by a different studio than... Arc I mean, Arcane aren't producing Starfield, are yeah. they? So I feel like it's not no, really... No, it's still Bethesda. It is still Bethesda. So that's why people yeah. are like, oh, get oh damn. And obviously, the footage we saw in the 
that that beta footage when they first showing stuff it didn't look good at all <laughs> no that's true add in the usual sort of bethesda jank on release that you're just gonna get because it's bethesda game on release you know people are worried man and rightfully so i think that this is a real letdown going back to its kind of core point that this is a multiplayer uh shooter experience as well it fails on several fronts the fact that there's no drop in drop out gameplay involved the fact that if you do play with your friends, there is only single-player progression, meaning that all your buddies don't actually progress their campaign, they're only progressing yours, which is, like, acceptable in a game like Dark Souls or Elden Ring, where the core focus isn't a multiplayer online experience. And then there's this, which they've had similar games to this, like Borderlands and Left 4 Dead, that have been able to master drop-in, drop-out gameplay for years, and it hasn't been an issue. So failing on just these kind of basic quality-of-life kind of not even really quality of life they should just be kind of just basic factors of a multiplayer game at this point yeah it really should be a standard and the fact that it's not made its way into this game plus they've had all of the issues with performance a terrible pc release the way that the game looks the way that the game performs it just all reeks of a rushed mess i mean there's cool ideas behind here the art style some of it and at least the the way that they've designed the game it's kind of it's got a bit of a stranger things look to it there's a lot of 80s influence going on in the game all of that stuff could have worked but it needed like more years not months to come out you know <laughs> which is crazy because this one got delayed too i'm pretty sure it did yeah, yeah yeah what is it about this year man this year is cursed for gaming releases yeah but then a lot of them have actually ended up being quite good right i think survivors is getting a lot better well speaking of things that are apparently meant to be getting a lot better shall we move on to our next article oh ooh, you juicy little segue you <laughs> our second story is something of a redemption arc potentially uh you know could be kind of I mean, who knows? We'll see how it goes. <laughs> you may remember we reported a few months ago now. Yeah, definitely months ago. That um, Saints Row got remastered and was re-released. And uh, it didn't release to brilliant reviews, did it? It did not, no. Very disappointed with the look of that game. Once again, both in terms of bug and in terms of soullessness. I think I probably used those words during uh, the release of Saints Row as well. Or at least it's, it's lost the soul of its predecessors. Yeah, I believe my wording was uh, just taking the Saints Row out of Saints Row, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. But it looks like they're trying to put it back in, Will, because apparently it's going to be getting a sort of major cyberpunk-style overhaul. Every part of the game is apparently being improved as the devs ask fans to give the reboot another chance. There are going to be three major expansions, with the first being released on the 9th of May. Okay. And this first patch promises quality of life improvements, new features, and bug fixes, and is also going to add a new district called Sunshine Springs, along with, get this, a selfie mode, an emote wheel, and major changes to combat. Okay, well, I mean, this sounds like definitely the sort of thing that I could be tempted to uh, give it another touch into this game. It definitely would have to be at a discounted price. This still doesn't warrant, I think, paying full price for. I'd be interested to see just how deep these improvements go. But hey, I'll definitely check it out. I'm not doing anything until all three of the patches come out and I've seen some reviews. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I certainly wouldn't be, uh, by checking it out, I need to clarify. I mean, via YouTube or something. <laughs> I'm not oh, gonna... Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't think I'll be tempted to pick this one up. I'm, I'm hoping that... Uh these fixes go just beyond the bug improvements and things like that. I think the combat improvements is promising. The new area, Sunshine Springs, sounds promising in terms of at least they're bothering to increase the span of the game a little bit. However, I mean, what they'll actually include there is yet to be seen. Exactly. And it's all sort of for nothing if the game still isn't working even after their fixes. Or yeah. like I say, working isn't as good as people want it to be after their fixes, you know? I couldn't give less of a sh- 
about selfie mode uh i think no. that that's just i i'm not sure whether it had photo mode to begin with but if they didn't then it's just another angle for you to have photo mode from emote wheel though i know you like an emote I do like an emote, but uh, I mean, if it's online gameplay is anything like the Saints Row games I've played recently in terms of trying to get to play online, it won't work. So uh, the emotes are useless. Well, it'll be even more useless if I don't keep the old Saints Row emotes as well. I'm looking at you flipping the bird. I'm looking at you cock grab or whatever it was called. Crotch grab, I think. Yeah, probably just crotch, crotch grab. grab. Ah, cock grab. <laughs> what, eh? Hmm? You like it like that, eh? Yeah, yeah, I bet you do. Oh, I'm going to have some fun with you. There was also just really like kind of playground moves, like uh, giving someone a wet willy or uh, or just like sticking your thumb up at someone and waggling your tongue. Yeah, you know, Saints Row stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The kind of stuff Good that times. they missed out on in uh, Saints Row. Yeah. Whatever the f*** yeah, All this the one. they removed. Yeah. <laughs> but hopefully there is some hope for this series and they can redeem themselves, which some might say is a cause for optimism. And our final news story is also one of optimism. So, as we know, Tears of the Kingdom will be released at the end of this week, and as a result, it has been in the hands of various reviewers over the past week. One of the biggest questions before launch is how will the game perform on Switch hardware that's now over six years old? Well, I'm happy to report that apparently the answer is pretty darn well, which I'm sure, Will, you're very happy to hear, given that you're probably going to be picking this up. Happy, and for the most part, unsurprised. I mean, it's the same game, very much expanded, with a new storyline, fleshed out, new map. It doesn't look like a whole new game. It looks like it's going to look and play, for the most part, like an expansion to Breath of the Wild. Yes, I completely agree. And the overall perception agrees too basically, because they're saying the game performs much better than expected given the dated hardware, with many only reporting minor frame rate drops when the screen gets particularly busy. Sounds very akin to the performance of Breath of the Wild as well. There's, uh, you know, just sort of guaranteed places that I noticed in that game that just you were going to get frame rate drops. I think Kakiri Forest was, was number one on that list, and that wasn't a particularly action-packed area, but it did have a lot of NPCs all floating around, what with all of the Korok seeds. Yeah, hey man, there's lots of leaves and shit. You know, got to account for all those leaves. Yeah, yeah, I guess. <laughs> it's a lot of frames, baby. A lot of frames for them leaves, boy. <laughs> yeah, I can't say that I ever noticed it in my dashing around looking for shrines, but um, I didn't explore the forest, so and who am I to say anything? Um, but funnily enough, a report from PC Mag, well, I say a report, a quote from PC Mag stated that the frame rates appeared to maintain a stable 30 frames per second, which made me question the wizardry that AG Alnumo's team performed to enable that sort of giving respect there to the dev team because it is dated hardware and really a stable 30 should be impossible, particularly with all the physics that they've added to the game. I don't know whether they have added physics, though. The, the reports that I was looking at specifically stated that they've added new physics. Like, for the vehicles and shit. Yeah, I mean... I don't know, it, it just felt so physics-based previously. I'd, I'd be really interested to see how they've developed that. I mean, and maybe I'm underselling even some of the changes that I've seen. Well, I think it's things more like, you know, they've added propellers and things like that. So it's maybe the similar physics that was in the game before, but there's new ways to interact yeah. with the physics. Yeah, that's kind of what I think is more the physics. case there. I think that, yeah, yeah, there's more new ways. Like, as we mentioned in one of our previous episodes, the ability to catch a projectile and reverse its trajectory in midair and then return to center that sort of thing is the kind of developments that I'm expecting to see but not necessarily stuff that would mean that there would be more of a demand on hardware just more developed content I guess 
it's great news and I'm really happy to see this. I'm just surprised that they're placing so much emphasis and surprised this game runs really well and they're calling it wizardry that the game runs well. It's, uh, you know, it's uh, in my mind, that would be a bit like saying, oh my God, Majora's Mask runs amazing. A miracle. They're kind of the same game with just a load more gameplay elements added. Are they pushing the boundaries of the demands in terms of hardware on the game? I don't know. Not that I've seen so far. I will have to respectfully disagree with you there. I do think that with the new vehicle additions and things like that, you're putting a lot more emphasis on like the hardware doing a lot more work. As I say, like using things just like like there's actually a video, funnily enough, that I think it was on the Verge that actually shows Link on a sort of jet-propelled platform vehicle type thing. Yes, and yeah. because it's got to deal with the two propellers on the back that are obviously having to have their own physics to turn the ship and whatnot, and the frame rate completely drops and it has it's not like too bad. It's not game break or anything, but it has a stuttery landing. Right, I've yet to see that video. But it's things like that. It's not so much that they've added new stuff to the game mechanically that's going to put more demand on it is the fact that the things you can do with the already existing framework can cause more chaos exactly that it just puts a lot more demand on it that way that makes sense that makes sense but that does not take away at all from uh, my excitement for for this game uh, i think that yeah i mean hey if the fact that this can maintain a stable 30 frames per second on a piece of six-year-old hardware it really brings into question why Redfall is uh, struggling and stuttery on the 40 series, you know? What the hell? No, you're absolutely right. And you should be optimistic because despite these slight frame rate drops and things of that nature, it could all still be patched out this week. It's still not fully release ready, the footage we've seen. And all in all, it sounds like they've done a stellar job and will release this game in a great state. Yeah. I just hope yeah. I'm not jinxing it. No. That's yeah. really my only thing. I'm, I'm sure not. I'm sure not. Nothing in this article makes me think that... Any of these performance issues that might be noticeable will be anything outside of the realms of things that I've experienced in Breath of the Wild. And although I do notice them, I've never been so pulled out of a game that it really bothers me. So, hey, if it runs like Breath of the Wild, they've done a stellar job because they've still managed to expand upon it and uh, really bring it home with this one it looks like yeah and the only thing i can equate it to is the performance of pokemon which was obviously getting a lot of flack in the media um i did see frame rate drops i'm not gonna lie i think i said as much at the time but it was not game breaking it didn't take me out of it at all it was still just as fun to play as if they hadn't been there really and i'm sure that anything that minorly happens in tears of the kingdom like that it's probably just gonna be the same sort of thing yeah. you'll notice it but it'll be fine but yeah, with that cause for optimism, that does it for the news this week. So now, let's mosey on over to Completionist Corner. Here we go for the Completionist's Corner. So picking up where we left off last episode, we, Dr. Gordon Freeman, were informed that Eli Vance has been taken to Nova Prospect, which is a combine base in a former prison. Therefore, we set off on a journey along Highway 17 using an armed car, sort of beach buggy type thing, provided by members of the Resistance to go and rescue him. During our travels, we are introduced to a new type of Zen alien, the Ant Lion. As the name suggests, these are giant ant-like creatures that live under the sand and are sensitive to loud noises. During our travels, we also meet Colonel Odessa Cubbage, who has a great voice, and who gives us a new weapon, the RPG. Now, who's going to be the lucky one to carry it into combat? Talk to me a little bit about how you found this RPG, because I have a few things to say about this. Yeah, so the RPG is uh, kind of 
laser guided rocket that you can fire out pretty much like a typical stinger missile shoulder propelled rocket launcher and then you can use the laser pointer on it to actually direct it at the enemies that you want and pretty much whatever you look out the rocket will rapidly change direction maneuver around start flying at so yeah it's pretty effective at taking out moving targets if as long as you're able to sort of keep the red dot on them well that's that's where I have my biggest issue with this wheel. <laughs> 99% of the time, it is incredibly effective at taking out the targets that you're red dot on. That is true. But that 1% of the time, some crazy shit was happening for me at least. So, you know, this happened more predominantly in a section we're going to come to right at the end of the game. But it also happened at this point because we are introduced to an enemy called the gunship, which is basically a big old flying, looks kind of like a mosquito, but it is a ship. It almost looks a bit like a living thing as opposed, even kind of makes living thing noises as opposed, it looks somewhat organic. That's why I'd sort of likened it to a mosquito because it's kind of buggy. It? Yeah, it flies around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And you know, it's relatively nippy and can move, change direction and all that, but it's not mad quick. So there were a couple of times where I'd lock on with the laser as Will's described and I'd shoot and I'd hit it. Great. It takes three shots to kill. And then I'd fire one exactly the same way. It's still, you know, I'm tracking the movement perfectly, at least seemingly as that's how it looks on my screen. And the rocket would just sort of do circles around the thing that I'm trying to aim for and would just sort of go wrong. And then you're like, no, dude, I'm pointing at the thing. Like, what are you doing? And then occasionally it will go and eventually hit it. And you're like, okay, that was weird. But sometimes it just, it didn't. And I was just like, what? It's to do with the turning trajectory on the rocket. It is set to have a maximum. So if you do a very close miss and then you suddenly keep the red dot, it obviously turns around to hit it, but it's just it can't turn fast enough. So I did have it several times where I had that moment where the rocket kind of like loops around the enemy a few times. Yeah. I didn't have it where it then didn't hit though. As long as I kept the laser on, it always eventually hit. No, I, I had it occasionally, again, later sections, more buildings about that we'll get into. So maybe it hit a building. I've definitely hit a couple of trees doing that. but A couple times, I did have it that it would be spinning round and then the gunship, it was actually programmed to shoot the rocket out of the sky yeah. as it comes towards it, which is pretty I was nifty. about to come to that. Yeah, great AI on these things. They're literally actively avoiding it, reversing it, and then trying to shoot the rocket out of the sky. Really cool stuff. Yeah, really nifty, really cool. And and to get around that, you often have to sort of shoot a rocket directly up into the sky, I found was the best bet. And then to train the laser on it so it would fire up into the sky and then kind of come down like a mortar. Oh, fair. That's a good way to get around it. I was just sort of distracting it so it would start shooting at me again. Just like, don't fire at all, and then you can get it while it's shooting at yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Not the most accurate things, I will say. These gunships. Gun yeah. No, they're not. No, no, no. They're not all too effective. And they're kind of mounted with like a heavy machine gun cannon type thing with maybe some rockets on them, but there's nothing really significant that will wipe you out. They're not too bad. They just do a lot of damage if they do manage to lock on. Yeah, I never actually noticed any rockets, to be fair. On these not ones. necessarily attacking me, I think. I think there might be more for show. Yeah, I just noticed my rockets fucking doing orbits around it. Yeah, yeah, so that's a good way of describing it. It really is an orbit, isn't it? <laughs> but no, these were very, very cool enemies. And we actually got to take out quite a lot of them in this little section, didn't we? Nice little Chivo for taking six out, I think. That's right. Yeah, yeah. You do work your way through quite a few of them. So with our new RPG weapon in tow, Dr. Freeman continues along Highway 17, passing by the abandoned outposts taken over by the Combine before finally arriving at Bridge Point. Here, Freeman shows off his platforming chops by crossing the underside of a railway bridge using various collapsed beams to deactivate Combine force fields in order to cross the bridge the traditional way on top. 
So this section, uh, on your way back, in fact, you're actually forced to uh, fight yet another gunship on your way back whilst you're doing this platforming section. Uh, thankfully, there is a steady supply of rockets and health items, as this game tends to have along the way whenever you need them. Yeah, God bless infinite chests. God bless infinite chests, yeah. Particularly in those sections, they'll often give you a well-placed infinite rocket or grenade chest, uh, which is always useful. And also necessary. Very necessary, given the amount of times that they can shoot the rockets out of the air and as James mentioned earlier, you can just sort of miss them instead. Get softlocked if they didn't have those, so thanks developers. <laughs> Finally, after disabling the force field, whilst crossing the bridge over the top, we also play a nice game of chicken with an oncoming train. So as we're travelling down in our buggy, we suddenly have to hit a reverse as you hear the train bell ring. Ah, uh, reverse? What are you on about? Oh, did you power through? Put on the gas. Right, just okay, get, yeah. fine. Yeah. So I actually I actually did this twice. The first time I did it on foot because I initially couldn't drive my car up either of the banks. Right, yeah, yeah. So I was like, maybe the car's not meant to be left. But then I was like, no, that feels wrong. So I then went back and then had to do it again on the car. That's interesting. The first time I just didn't reverse fast enough. So I ended up getting crushed. And the second time I was like, all right, at the moment I hear the bell, just reverse and go back. <laughs> oh, don't reverse. Just power through. Put your foot on the gas and get through. Oh, that's cool. It's cool that it gives Made you it, two make ways it easy. to do it. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. But I probably wouldn't have been quite so confident if I hadn't seen how long you had from the walking one I did before. Because on that right. one, you can just go to the side. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. it doesn't hit you, so it's not too bad. I kind of missed a beaned it on my first attempt, and it was pretty awkward <laughs> because I was side on on the train track watching it approach. Oh, nice. Just like, I'm not going to jump out. I deserve this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I figured if I lost the car, you know, I was good as dead anyway, so. Yeah, that's fair, man. That's fair. Oh, but uh, it's also worth noting that at this bridge section, we also come across another new weapon, don't we? Which is the de facto sniper rifle of the game, really. Pretty much, yeah. It's our good friend, the scoped crossbow. What's up, 13? How you doing? <laughs> yeah, good callback. Yeah, no, I had a real good time with the crossbow. It's got the added benefit of being able to impale enemies on walls that are close by, so that's pretty nice. Yeah, what's up, Shadow Warrior? Shoutouts. What's up, Bioshock 2 as well with the javelin oh, gun? Yeah. yeah, very true. Yeah, any game that allows you to impale enemies on the wall using one of your guns is a good game in my book. Big old thumbs up from us. <laughs> Uh, so playing through, you don't get a great deal of opportunities to use this because a lot of enemy combat encounters are very much up in your face, but it can be very useful in those rare sections where you'll have a pesky guard on a ledge somewhere shooting you. You can often deal with them quite quickly and efficiently using the crossbow and then return to your regular kind of mid-range chaos. <laughs> no, yeah, th to be fair, there was only one section I used the crossbow, I think. It's a section that we probably won't cover in great detail in the upcoming section but it's in nova prospect where we're heading now there was an area with three guard towers each with three guards on top yes that's a very good opportunity yeah and you can actually snipe two of the towers from a grate um, and then you can get another one just by walking slightly out so they don't see you and just popping them from mm -hmm. there and you really see the physics of the impaling work well because you can just like you've got like arms hanging off bits of railing and stuff i don't think there was ever actually any dismemberment but the way it ragdolls from where you hit it it was really cool if it had dismemberment it would have been 11 out of 10, top notch. <laughs> so with another new weapon in tow, Freeman eventually reaches an outpost called Lighthouse Point, where we say goodbye to our car, which is a shame, because the car was actually really quite fun. Yeah, it drives better than the hovercraft, and uh, okay, it kind of... <laughs> it has like uh it's got a nice little handbrake on it and it, it just demonstrates the way that the vehicle physics work you can really tell that your wheels are creating the friction on the ground that's propelling you forwards and it's all very nicely tuned together it doesn't feel like what some games try to do in terms of a car where it's like a very half-baked driving mechanics yeah. this felt like not the best driving mechanics but also not the worst by a long shot it's a little slide 
slidey. Little slidey. Maybe. But uh, yeah, I, I think that's very, very good. Could be by design that it's a little slidey, you know. Well, it's a beach buggy, you know. Yeah, and, right. You know, the war is pretty slidey, you know. Yeah, it was. It was. It was a good time. But no, so we do leave our car behind. We drive it into a nice garage. Um, and then we have to fend off some more combine. Uh, I believe there was another gunship here. Uh, another few gunships, I think. Another couple, yeah, yeah, maybe. And a bunch of troops too. But we deal with all that. And from here, we continue on foot across an antline-infested beach where touching any sand causes the antlions to emerge from underground and begin attacking us. Yeah, so this was a fun little section, having to pick up and move objects around, slowly creating a bit of a makeshift bridge across the sand to avoid the tremors that would attract the antlions. Yeah, yeah, no, it was a painful experience for me, this, I've got to say. Why is that? Because as you may or may not know, there is an achievement in this game for getting across the whole of this part of the game without ever touching the sand and therefore without ever waking the antlions to attack you yeah and i was quick saving and quick loading like a madman trying to do this and i did it no antlions came up i wasn't attacked at all i got to the section where you then have to be on sand because you have a fight that we're going to talk about in a bit and uh, the chief owner never popped you were robbed man absolutely robbed there letter to gabe's in the post already is it i sent him a page on my pager <laughs> whoa technology so yes, after this platforming section, using the gravity gun to create item bridges across the sand, or not, depending on your playstyle, because you do have the option to just run across the sand, you just get attacked a lot. That's right, yeah, and, and with the bunny hopping technique of just mashing the spacebar rhythmically, you can actually kind of get a faster than sprint running boost just by jumping repeatedly. Outrun those pesky antlions. Yeah, I don't think I really got bitten at all, as long as I knew where to go. Yeah, very good too. But we get through this section, we hop over a little ridge, which is where my heartbreak occurred. And this is where we have our first encounter with probably the toughest sort of mob enemy in the game, I'd say. I think that's a fair description. Which is the Antlion Guard. Now, this guy is basically an antlion on steroids. About seven foot tall, about 350 pounds. <laughs> I don't know how much it weighs, but... Yeah, big old antlion, much quicker, can summon other normal antlions to its aid, I think three or four at a time. That's right, yeah. And uh, has a pretty brutal charge attack where it can just run at you and sort of knock you over. Well, I don't know if you physically get knocked over, but that's how it seems. Yeah, you definitely get knocked back. Yeah, and uh, does quite a lot of damage to you too. This it does, thing. I think yeah. it can sort of three-shot you. It's dangerous, yeah. And ammo sponge, man. Like, I think it takes a good 15 shotgun shots. Yeah, to be honest with you, I knowing that it had a lot of health, I just defaulted to immediately dumping my secondary assault rifle grenade launchers into it. Any of those yeah. that I had, and then I followed up with a couple rocket shots, and if that still didn't do it, then it was maybe only two or three shotgun shots away. Um, yeah. But that was obviously with having the uh, the hindsight that uh, it was going to take a lot if I just stuck with regular bullets to begin with. Yeah. Also, that diving attack, as I mentioned before, you get a little boost of speed forwards when you jump in this game, so it's not too bad to avoid if you just kind of look to your side and hop. But if you're using a kind of like a strafing hop, that's not as quite Which effective what I was as where yeah. you're looking yeah you need to kind of look where you want to go at the last minute and jump and then it's not too bad to avoid no, I, I didn't find it too hard with the strafe technique um, and it just allowed me to constantly be facing it to fire my 10 to 15 shotgun yeah. rounds into it um, there were a few that we fight later on where there's a few more explosive barrels around and stuff Makes which helps a lot but, yeah. but in this section I, I there might have been one explosive barrel I think a lot of the barrels that were kicking about were normal barrels Yeah, yeah. so it much help but you could get a little... I didn't in the end, but you could get a little bit of help if you ran it to the other end of the 
um, sort of section you're in. Um, outside the outpost door that we're coming up to, there's actually a dude who with a machine gun who can shoot down on you. Oh, okay. But you, but you have to sort of run past it and heard it over there um so i was sort of i tried to run past it to avoid it completely and i discovered that but then i found out as a dead end you have to kill it right yeah yeah um, which at the time i didn't quite understand but actually we're just about to talk about why it's necessary that you have to kill it here and uh sort of be at this outpost yeah exactly so upon defeating the anlion guard a vortagon who is one of the alien race from the dimension zen who we mentioned last week uh, so this Vortigon is working with the Resistance. He actually emerges from the outpost and carves out a pheromone gland from the Antlion Guard, which he calls bug bait, or which the game refers to as pheropods. So he carves this out of the guard and gives it to us. Yeah, thanks, mate. Cheers, buddy. Yeah, appreciate that. Yeah, just making our kit bag. Could smell. you wash yeah. it first? No. Okay. Okay. You got like a bag that I can hold it in? Oh yeah, sure. I'll just make one out of this thing's balls. <laughs> That's nasty. So this pheropod makes antlions suddenly our allies, meaning they will now follow us and attack enemies on command. And you do this commanding them by chucking the pheropod directly at the enemy and it kind of coats it in a slime that will then force all the antlions in the area to attack it. And I don't know if you've noticed, James, but if you chuck this at combine guards, it's clearly quite a sticky, disgusting substance yeah. because they suddenly stop firing at you and just start trying to bat away the stench. Yeah, and they get like flies above the Yeah, that's stuff. right. Really Stinky cool. fart gas. Good shit. With a new antlion army in his stead, Dr. Gordon Freeman continues to the final part of the coast, battling many more Combine troops on his way to Nova Prospect. Freeman gains access to the prism with the help of his army of antlions, but sadly, this is the last chapter where antlions are available, so F in the chat for all those that we lost along the way. Which was a large number. Swarves of antlions here. This felt very much like uh, we were kind of Saruman, just casting orcs into the battle. Like, yeah, just crashing and lion waves upon walls and walls of high projectile turrets <laughs> things yeah. like that man it wasn't even me doing it in the end I, I they just kept on spawning and following me to the death they were a very loyal crew just because i smelled of a pheromone <laughs> just because really... you smelled just good yeah it was humbling i actually tried to do the most of this section without using any conventional weapons at all so i was very much just kind of tagging everyone with the pheromone pods and watching the chaos ensue yeah i tried to do that but it was just a little bit too slow for me so <laughs> I, was, I, I ended up cracking on a bit but um and i found more use for that outside in the prison sort of corridors and stuff i found it hard to just chuck the pheromones at people so I found it easy just to go around. And there was so much SMG ammo in that place. And I did have that assault rifle thing you were talking about, it turns out. I just forgotten about it. <laughs> really fucking good. I should have used it more at the start of the game. Oh, you did have it, right? Yes, I thought you would. Yeah, the yeah, pulse, the yeah, pulse yeah, gun. The yeah, pulse. I just I must have just picked it up and never clocked. Yeah, yeah, it is good stuff. Yes, I was convinced that you would have picked it up at that point in the game. Also, in the section, you get to experience the combined turrets, which uh, if you've played Portal, they'll be kind of vaguely familiar. They don't have the yes. sort of the charming voices, but they very much perform in the same way where you can set them up to stand and by knocking them over you kind of send them into a chaos mode before they finally stop firing and deactivate yeah the difference being i don't think like these just don't take damage at all by any other means you have to either get an explosion near them that knocks them over or do what i was doing which is running up to the side of them and using my uh, just running into them so they'd fall over basically. oh fine just using freeman as a battering ram i just uh use the ferropod to kind of essentially create a wall of dead antlion bodies up to them which then the final antlion could then use to kill it 
while I stood back. That's smart. Freeman got real lazy in uh, this section of the game. He was really just oh, kind of like... Oh, your Freeman did. Yeah, my Freeman did. <laughs> yeah. It's like sliding doors. My Freeman was just like running in, just like sprinting everywhere, knocking stuff over, like taking lots of hits. And your Freeman was just like, oh, I just let the anlines do it. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Respect. That would have been easier. <laughs> so yes, after fighting through the prison, Freeman meets up with Alex Vance in the Nova Prospect train depot who you may remember as the daughter of Dr. Eli Vance, who is the person we're trying to save. Together, they search the prison for Eli Vance, and in the process discover that Dr. Judith Mossman, who was the sort of kind of stuck-up bitch that we met before, who was really sarcastic with us. She was, yeah. She was kind of like false, showing signs of respect, but really I think it was jealousy over the fact that Gordon pipped her to the job at Black Mesa initially. Turns out she was a combine spy all along, so we have every right to hate her at this point. She betrayed us! Alex and Freeman split up several times along the way, but finally reunite to track down Mossman. Mossman is cornered by the pair, but before we can hear her reasons for double-crossing us, she teleports herself and Eli out of the facility. This forces Alex and Freeman to reset the teleporter that she used to escape so that they could use it to escape to Dr. Kleiner's lab. But before we could do so, big old fight ensued. And this is actually worth pointing out at this point that we've spoken about the turrets as the enemy. We actually get some turrets to play with ourselves here. Will, talk to me. How did you use these turrets to your advantage in this section and actually a couple of sections before? Yeah, that's right. So pretty much shortly after discovering Mossman's betrayal and after Alex and Gordon separate up for the first time, Alex helps you from a distance by hacking the cupboards that contain the turrets. And you've got various sections where you need to set them up and destroy something or wait for something to be blown up whilst you set up the turrets. These are pretty fun sections where you essentially play a little bit of tower defence, I guess. Uh, there's often lanes of guards coming in, various entrances that are fairly predictable, so provided you've set up your turrets, it can be pretty effective. There was only one section where they were repeatedly running in and knocking my turrets down, but otherwise I think that you can get through most of these pretty easily as long as your turret placement is doing okay. Yes, and this is where my Freeman was lazy, because in every single one of these sections I guess I lucked out or it was super obvious where the most efficient place to put them was. Yeah. The section you're talking about with people knocking over, was it the section where you're sort of got two corridors and there's like loads of health packs in the middle? That's right, you're in a bit of a T-junction and you've got very yeah, and limited space. you get three space. turrets and there's four ways they can come from. Yeah. yeah, so that was the only section where they even got close to my turrets. Yeah. And it was very, once I worked out what they were doing, it was very easy to compensate for it with me standing by the other door. Yeah, yeah. But other than that, I actually found these sections interesting, as you say, because it did sort of give another element to the game but kind of boring. You do do a lot of standing around if you've placed your turrets well and they don't knock them over, yeah. And with that, it was a little bit too long of a section most of the time. To the extent that Alex even apologises in-game saying, oh, sorry, it's taken me so long each time. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no sh Alex, hurry you up. Sh you should be f***ing sorry. I've sat here for five minutes doing nothing. Sat here for five minutes watching a massacre take place in front of me. Yeah, which was actually quite satisfying. And, you know, if you're low on ammo... Great way to restart, yes. just let the turrets do all the work. You smart. Upon arriving in Kleiner's lab, Dr. Freeman and Alex Vance are told by a perplexed Dr. Kleiner that they have been stuck in a teleport loop for approximately one week. Alex counters this by saying it only felt like a few moments in the transition between heading off from Nova Prospect back to his lab. Yeah, so we've got some space-time bullshit going on. It turns out that during this week, the Resistance Uprising had begun as they saw the destruction of Nova Prospect caused by our escape from the facility as a call to arms. As a result, all of City 17 is now a war zone. Dr. Freeman leaves the lab to join Barney in fighting the good fight whilst Alex stays back to ensure Kleiner's safe escape from the city. Yes, you may remember Barney as being the dude that sort of helped us right at the start of the game. The bringer of the crowbar. Saint Barnabas, the bringer of the crowbar. The great deliverer. So, 
in this section, it's actually another gameplay element is added here where you can actually form squads of people that you encounter. You don't really get to sort of pick and form your squad so much as that much like the antlions, whenever your resistance members are depleted, they just kind of funnel a couple new ones in from some black hole in the environment. <laughs> but essentially you have a squad of up to four people that you can command and tell them to go places as well as stick with you. A bit like kind of the guards in Halo, they're equipped with various weapons and say if for instance you don't like the weapon that one's carrying you can just shoot them and another one will spawn in in the environment and they also actually pick up combine weapons that are better similar to the um mechanic in 13 yes yeah again another demonstration there of some of the stuff they're able to achieve with ai really cool stuff to see um so this squad isn't just combat focused as well you do actually get medics on your squad which is really cool and really broken yes because they will just keep healing you until uh until you've Infinite got health health. packs baby it makes me think a little bit of Left 4 Dead, because that was obviously a core mechanic of that game, another game made by Valve years later. And I enjoyed this aspect of the game, as well as people dishing out medipacks. You've also got various armed soldiers that will drop you ammo along the way as well as you fight. So just kind of cool to see them adding a bit of depth to the squad mechanics in the game and making it different from just another group of bodies that are completely inaccurately firing at enemies and achieving nothing. Although they were kind of firing inaccurately at enemies and achieving very little. Yeah, but they were healing you whilst they did it, which is the important thing. It's the effort that matters. They were firing like stormtroopers, but... uh, they were healing like badasses so uh and as you say if they get in the way that you just kill them it's fine no one really cared if you accidentally killed a couple of guys and they have some pretty good mechanics in terms of and this is something that frustrates me to this day is whenever you have people in the game and they stand in front of you much like in fallout or skyrim or anything like that they will not get out of the fucking way but in this game they do actually program they apologize and start finding a way to get out of your way they will actively seek for a way to get out of the way which is very cool well they take one step at a time let's give them credit for apologizing but this still doesn't work very well i didn't get the one step but they they kind of almost did like a bit of a jog to get out of my way when i uh oh no if you get like three of them in a corridor and you turn around and try and go back they're all like sorry move one step then i have to say sorry again move one step is bad oh yeah outside yeah. outside is decent but when you're in a confined space i'll take it over way. doing nothing at all yeah <laughs> oh, oh no a hundred percent i'm not disagreeing with that just the pathfinding wasn't perfect let's just say for a 19 year old game <laughs> yeah. hey, it's still a fair criticism it's... but uh i mean yeah. given the f-ing stuff that you see these days i'm still just marveling at what happens in this game compared to you know some of the news articles we've been talking about earlier this episode So using these squads, Dr. Freeman fights his way through the city towards Barney's location. Near the end of the chapter, we regroup with Alex, who finds that the bridge to Barney's location has been destroyed. She climbs up a building. She sort of shimmies up a pipe up a building, doesn't she? Uh, To look for another route, but is captured by Combine soldiers. Before she is taken away, though, she advises us that there is another route to Barney's location via the sewers. After fighting through the sewers, Dr. Freeman makes it to the other side of the city where snipers are pinning Barney down. We take out the snipers, reunite with Barney, and make our way to Overwatch Nexus at the foot of the Citadel. We infiltrate the building, disable three generators to power down a large cannon called the Suppressor, and then exit the building for one of the biggest fights in the game. This is the fight where I was talking about earlier where I said the rocket launcher was a little bit suspect, because we're actually introduced to the toughest enemy outside you know that isn't a mob basically i think so yeah they do a lot of damage in a short space of time they're not necessarily the most quick moving things in the world no 
but you also fight several of them at the same time in multiple yes. instances, which is uh, which is another cause for concern. It's not very often that you fight two Anlion guards, whereas there's multiple instances of fighting a couple of these Walker-type things. They reminded me massively of the Silt Striders from Morrowind. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty good. Except they're the colour of the tanks from the droid army in The Phantom Menace. <laughs> yes, but, you know, these Striders were tough. I think they took six rockets each to take down. That's right, yeah, they can be. We're actually also introduced to Elite Combine Soldiers, which are the same as normal combine soldiers but they wear white armor with sort of red eye um, adornments and things like that a little bit tougher but not much tougher yeah they've got more health and they tend to rock the guaranteed combine assault rifle that kind of laser cannon thing that james and i were mentioning earlier so they hit harder they've got more health but that's about it they're not really very different to fight other than that no You can still take them out with one or two shotgun rounds. As you should be able to. God, that would be a problem. I hate it when they make an enemy too powerful for the shotgun. Yeah, props to the shotgun in this game. We we gave the pistol a lot of plaudits in the last episode. The shotgun really carries the second half, right? It's powerful. The shotgun's the boss killer, man. Like, it's just so good. So after a gruelling battle, Dr. Freeman infiltrates the Combine Citadel, which, as the name implies, is their big base of operations. We take a trip on a sort of monorail straitjacket type contraption to progress up the facility. And this section really is more of a cinematic tour of the facilities. We can't actually move in this thing until we reach our destination. Did you get in the right one straight away, James? Because there is an option of two to get in initially. And it is possible to take the wrong one. Yes, yeah, so I, I did get in the right one. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But it was purely by luck. I, oh, right, I, I, have yeah. sin- I have since read that you can get into the other one and it takes you straight into an electric zappy field and you die it does yeah this took me right back to playing scorn for some reason of like doing a puzzle wrong and uh, even though you can't really consider it a puzzle getting into this thing but yeah it made me think back to scorn and uh scraping our poor eggy bro out of the shell so when dr freeman is finally dropped off at the security gate he has all of his weapons vaporized by the security system with the exception of the gravity gun my babies that's what i that was my reaction to this i was like no the shotgun the magnum i was kind of pissed i was like damn i've just invested heavily in like, these weapons <laughs> like like what the hell like these have saved my ass like a bunch of times at this point Fear not james good things are coming oh i know because for whatever reason the gravity gun causes the security system to overload which has the added bonus of significantly and when i say significantly i need to put that emphasis on it because my goodness this thing got a significant power up at this point yeah it turns from like a useful tool into a killing machine. Oh, dude, I'd go one step further. It, it turns from a gimmick into the most incredible weapon in this game. <laughs> and that it, basically all it really does is it ups the strength and speed of it and and you're allowed to sort of use the gravity gun on organics now as opposed to just inanimate objects. With the added benefit of vaporizing their gun as you suck them towards you as well so they can no longer use it. Yeah, and you, there's just nothing quite like a group of combine coming down a corridor use, taking the first one and just bowling pin taking them out in one strike or you can just chuck them into the power surge things that are around the facility and they vaporize in front of your eyes it's great and also those power surge things they're all kind of transporting electrified balls up through the system and you can suck those electrified balls out and the moment they make contact with the combine guard they just absolutely vaporize them as well yeah and they can bounce around and stuff too so they can be real brutal so these balls fire exactly the same way as using the combine assault rifle 
they have a secondary fire that can fire one of those as well, which is pretty chaotic because you can do a lot of damage to yourself if they come back on you. And they are, <laughs> as James said, very bouncy indeed. It kind of a little bit like flubber in a way. But uh, no, that is a real fun section. There's also another few bits in this section where you get to see some cool demonstration of physics. Like there's those chambers with a central vaporizing ray in it, but then anything that goes into the outer cylinder just gets slowed down in time. So you can kind of suck combine guards towards you and then fire them into it. And they just kind of like get suspended slowly passing through the air. It's quite cool. The other sort of less impressive but equally as key side effect that this has is that your suit also seems to get a bit of a boost as well because you now can use the sort of wall planted generator things where you could previously like charge your suit up to have a hundred shield basically that now is the 200 capacity and also these electric things will now do your health as well yeah that's right so you're just supercharged every time you hit one at this point you really don't need it because this gun just makes the game futile really it's just it's so simple just to get through guards but it is still handy to have i think it's it's in there to make you feel powerful rather than to serve much of a purpose like, oh okay well now i have an extra 33 percent health you know so right go for it now yeah and I, I do feel this whole sort of mission bit was kind of just the sort of cinematic you're about to get the big bad sort of experience it was well done pretty much yeah also i mean you can pick up way heavier objects in the environment as well so you're talking about bowling pins you can be sucking out massive electrical terminals and literally doing exactly that. There's quite a few nice long sections where they just pile guys running towards you without very many obstacles in the way. So you've got lots of opportunities to try and knock down as many as possible in a single shot. Yeah, my record was seven, I think. Ooh, that's nice. Nice. It might have been six with one of the bodies being the bowling ball there. You also get to see what the combines look like outside of their suit in this section as well, which is pretty damn horrifying. They've kind of got little peg legs. And uh, creepy bodies. Let's just say, keep the suit on, buddy. Disgusting! With this beast of a weapon, the upgraded gravity gun, Dr. Freeman makes easy work of reaching the administrator's office for the final confrontation with Dr. Wallace Breen. The gravitas of the moment is slightly diminished by the fact that we needed to use another bodysuit contraption to reach the office, and we are not released on arrival, meaning that Breen has actually managed to capture us, along with both Eli and Alex Vance. Got us all in his little web, hasn't he? At this point, we are all trapped in the office, having a conversation with Breen and the traitorous Mossman. Oh, that bitch. By this point in the game, Judith Mossman is having second thoughts about helping Breen and actually betrays him by releasing Freeman, Alex and Eli from their pods using her hacking device. Yeah, and when we say using her hacking device, she doesn't really hack anything. She sort of just, it looks like she just short circuits it. It's the kind of slightly more sci-fi equivalent of putting a bullet in the console thing and it does the thing that they want. <laughs> yeah, hand solo, I'm looking at Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So after having been released, Breen attempts to kill them all by using the gravity gun, but fails miserably. Although he is able to use the commotion caused by a shot to escape with the gravity gun. We pursue Breen, but before we can get to him, he gives us the slip again. Although this time he leaves the gravity gun on the floor. Now armed again, we pursue Breen once more and eventually find the dark energy reactor at the very top of the citadel. That's right. So when we manage to encounter Breen as well, we can hear him kind of arguing with uh, the the combine, I guess their overseers. I think their official term is advisors. And he's even agreeing to having like a body swap because he's, he's threatening saying that, oh, there's no way I'll be able to survive on the other side of this portal. You can't understand what they're saying to him. Obviously, they're speaking in an alien language. 
But then he does repeat back to them, oh, fine, I'll take the body double. So, yeah, he's getting real desperate into survival mode now. And I think he just wants off the planet and some sort of assurance of his own survival. Yeah. We should mention that during this whole revelation as well and during the scene, Breen kind of unleashes his ultimate big, bad, evil plan, which is the combine is quite literally a combine of everyone's self and consciousness and in order to achieve immortality you need to become incorporated into the combine so a complete loss of free will a complete loss of self in order to preserve your existence so not really the kind of eternal life that most people are looking for i'm glad you said that because i just ran off whenever he was talking didn't want to hear his nonsense i was just like no i'm gonna dude kill this you, is mate. the completionist's corner we're meant to play these games yeah but no but I did, yeah i did play it i didn't think he was saying anything important i thought because throughout the game before that he comes up on screens just like oh yes i am an evil overlord thing and i'm saying a set speech that lasts about two minutes and doesn't actually say anything so i just thought it was that so i just ran off no <laughs> you gotta listen to breed i don't know man <laughs> Sounds like you just ran through this at the end. Well, yeah. I didn't think he was saying anything important. He's the big bad. He's obviously the guy. You get to his office and you're like, well, I guess I stopped listening. No, in his office I was listening intently. You're not talking about the screen yeah, stuff? Yeah, he's, he's like, appearing he pops to you. up like three times. He's like addressing yeah. you directly. No, he wasn't. He is. He, the whole, he is literally speaking to oh, you. He? Yes. <laughs> All right. <laughs> he was just saying, he'd come up and he was like, I am here. And I was just like, no. See you <laughs> He's like, is this what it's come to, Dr. Freeman? Is this really the path you've chosen? Think about all the things that you've destroyed, Dr. Freeman. Have you managed to create just one thing? All <laughs> oh, right, yeah, you see, that's all nonsense. No, but he gets on to his whole plan. Literally, they explain the whole combine thing, the whole existence of one. Hey, sue me for thinking this is a time-sensitive mission. <laughs> Especially as I died to the final boss because it was time-sensitive. Yeah, 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 so that's true, yeah. I was role-playing, dude. <laughs> So Alex opens the way for Freeman to reach the reactor, at which point Breen starts ascending and opens the Combine Overworld portal, which he intends to use to teleport to another universe. Hence why he probably needs that body double that he was that you referenced. Hell yeah, I think uh, it's not safe for human existence on the other side of that portal. This will also result in a singularity point forming, which could have cataclysmic consequences to City 17. So at this point, I say bring on the final boss fight. <laughs> and when I say boss fight... It's more of a timed exercise where you have to fire those sort of balls that Will was talking about earlier into the reactor three times, but some metal plating is sort of around it that you have to knock off first. All of this whilst being attacked by two gunships. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I had to do it significantly yeah. more than three times, though. It took me like maybe a good, like, I don't know, almost ten times, I think, to hit. Yeah, but how many of them were knocking off the metal shielding around it? No, that's what I mean. I had to fire way more balls than ten, and it, it, I heard ten explosions at least before mine blew up. I don't know if you were hitting a weaker spot than I was, but uh, yeah, I was really struggling to make my hits count. They were, they were exploding with inside, and it was definitely making the right noise, but for whatever reason, it took me a lot more than three, definitely. Well, as I say, the first time it was like that, because I think I hit it once yeah. and I timed out because I didn't know there was a time limit. Um, but the second time, yeah, what I did the second time was instead of being directly in front of it, I ran to the right-hand side. Yeah, yeah. Because there's two pillars and you can sort of use that to mitigate some of the gunship You can, yeah. Fire. And then, yeah, from, from that angle, maybe I was just getting a better spot. Maybe it was bouncing a bit more from where I was shooting. I don't know. But yeah, three, four at most. Nice. In the nice. actual React core itself. I actually took out the gunships that were attacking me first because they were bugging me. And there is a pretty easy way to do this as well because i don't know whether you've noticed this throughout the course of playing but if you hold an object in front of your crosshair and it covers the enemy 
they technically don't think they can see you. Yes, I did. Yes. Know that. So well, not so much not seeing, but I was using barrels to protect myself from the snipers, for example. Yeah, yeah. So that will, but that will work with a tin can. If you can't see the enemy behind that tin can, that is just how broken the AI. It's very clever, but it's also very broken if you do things like that. So you can literally hold up the tiniest object, and as long as the enemy is far enough away from you so that you can't see them as you hold that stone up in front of you, they will not fire their gun. And you can use that to great effect with the gunships because those balls that you can suck out and need to shoot at them, bullets won't penetrate those balls. So you can literally hold that ball in front of you and just wait for it to stop firing. The moment it does, it will just go straight to it. You don't have to kind of like time your shots or anything. You can straight up hide behind this small kind of bowling ball sized ball of energy, avoiding this kind of heavy turret fire from the gunship. But this this boss fight... I boss fight is very tongue-in-cheek it's not really a boss is it yeah no again much like the rest of this level it's more sort of a cinematic this is a nice way to tie up the story type thing kind of anyway which we'll get onto. in my mind the real final boss fight was the bit shortly before all of this where you actually just fight the two ant lion guards that felt like the first like in the sort of swimming pool yes looking place it wasn't a swimming pool but yeah some sort of tile gym area yeah that felt like one of the harder like gritty fights of the game and then the rest of it you very much start the victory lap by following that so freeman successfully manages to overload the reactor stopping breen from escaping but also causing the reactor to explode apparently killing breen although that fate is yet to be determined yeah we never see him die we don't hey if you don't see him fall and hit the ground he ain't dead i don't know how many times we need to say it people (laughs) So the explosion also nearly takes Alex and Freeman with it. However, just as the reactor detonates, G-Man freezes time and gives a brief monologue about how Freeman has no free will and may well be called upon to go on various other missions for G-Man. And apparently there's a new party that are now interested in his services. Yes, and this is actually, I wanted to pick up something you said when you were describing what um, Breen was talking about. Like on as we're going, you know, the bit I skip that I probably rightly am getting chastised for. I just thought he was talking nonsense, but... Is Freeman then part of the Combine? Well, this is the thing that's is that, is that all the yet twist? to be determined, and there is no yeah. twist in this game. This no, I know, but that's is, what yeah. I mean. Is that the, is that the implication? It could well though? be. We'll have to wait for Half-Life for you, buddy. Uh, I think that that is one that we may never even see the answer to. Who knows? This is a game that a very odd, sudden ending. Yeah. Much a like the first one. A disappointing, I've got to say. Got to say a little bit disappointing that. I think it's one of those ones that a lot of that is holdovers from the first game. I think that the first game is the exact same thing. You kill the boss, you immediately, a sort of Lovecraftian horror type space entity comes out, says, your mission's complete, well done, we're putting you back into cryo, and that's it. And just like you said, you had no idea what was going on at the beginning of this game, and just yeah. like you said at the head of this episode, that you had no idea what happened at the end of the game. This is a very interesting way of pulling the narrative together for this game, is the fact that you forget very little context, and if anything, it just generates more questions than it answers, really. Yeah, and you know, I'd have a much bigger problem with that if it wasn't for what you said in last week's episode about Valve's sort of approach to Half-Life, in terms of they wait for a new technology to come out and use Half-Life to sort of show off what it's capable of. Yeah, yeah. That, to me, changes the whole game of this, because it's like, okay... I kind of get why they're doing a non-committal sudden ending there. What you're seeing is an advanced tech demo with an intriguing but very underdeveloped 
like law is i guess is what i describe it as yeah exactly and people looking for the answer in there it probably isn't even been you better yet. keep looking yeah yeah well so it's there is a lot more to this game that we haven't played we do actually get some answers as to alex's ultimate destiny in half-life episode one and two uh which is yeah. the downloadable content released shortly after the release of half-life 2 yeah, and presumably alex is half-life alex fame as well of course yes she is yeah although that is set prior to the events of half-life 2 and yeah and to be honest that what we've just sort of talked about there really sums up my opinion of the game. I, I couldn't really put it much better than what you've just said there. It's very intriguing, but it is a glorified tech demo, this. I did find myself getting slightly bored towards the end. Some of the longer attack sections do get a little bit monotonous. Uh, it's, yeah. it's a very good opportunity to play around with the guns to their maximum if you didn't feel like you got that opportunity earlier on in the game. But the game has enough content in it to, to give you that early on, I think. Exactly, and I think a section that perfectly sums that up is the bit where you have to take out the three reactors to shut down the suppressor. It felt like filler, like it did. Yes, agreed. But to be honest with you, I feel that with any game that's like take out these three things. I roll my eyes the moment they're like take out these three things press these three buttons go to these i immediately roll my eyes i hate that and it always is filler content in my eyes in any game yeah i can forgive it if i'm like super into an rpg and it's like fetch quests and stuff although i do still clock it and i'm like mm, okay. it's still filler you're I just, see it's you. just filler that you're enjoying yeah <laughs> exactly and don't get me wrong that's not to say i didn't enjoy this i i actually had a thoroughly good time with it overall but Towards the end, I was getting a bit bored with it. That that would be my only criticism. Mm. I think that's a fair criticism. Yeah. I think the sections all kind of looked quite similar. Similar colour palettes and things like that. The enemies didn't really switch up all that much towards the end, especially. It was all combined soldiers. Pretty much once you've got past Ravenholm, there is very few additional enemies other than the couple of antlion things and then some upgraded combines. Yeah, I'd say from Nova Prospect onwards, it was pretty much the same. Yes, you get like occasional spatterings of enemies for variety, but they aren't any new enemies in that. It's just like occasionally you'll bump into a headcrab infested zone of Nova Prospect or whatever. Yeah, and the antlion guards were incredibly cool and fun to fight, but maybe three fights. That yeah. first initial one, the the two para that we talked about and maybe one other that comes and attacks you at some point would have liked to have seen a few more of those but overall probably a six or seven out of ten game i'd say it was good it was good laugh the shooting was fun the guns were all pretty excellent to be honest i don't remember there being a crap gun would you say that's a six or a seven given your sort of uh i guess comparison to a modern day game because i would i can easily say that in a modern day setting i think that for everything this game does it probably is like probably uh, a mid eight to a high seven for me but when i compare it to games that were coming out in 2004 this just knocked everything off the shelf if there was ever a game that was worthy of a 9.5 or a 10 out of 10 in a gaming magazine i think this would have been the game that hit that bar because the novelty of everything being so mind-blowing compared to competitors at the time sort of thing i think that's a fair question to ask and i think that it probably would rank higher for me a if i'd played it nearer to the time it released this is the first time i've played it properly yeah yeah but the other thing for it for me is if i'd played half-life one and had a bit more context i probably would have enjoyed it more too yes yeah i do ever so slightly regret not making us play black mesa which is the sort of half-life one fan remake before we actually jumped onto half-life 2 just so you had that bit more of context although debatable whether it would have actually provided you with much more context i guess no and knowing <laughs> seeing how this ended and started i can kind of see that but i think things like that with me at least fairly or unfairly that instantly like drops a point off yeah. maybe even two yeah so 
yeah, I think a fair question to ask. And had I played it before, I think it probably would rank higher. As I say, the only game that I saw on the list that instantly jumps out at me that was even comparable at the time was Vampire Bloodlines The Masquerade, which was a very lovely looking game, really cool sections and great fun. But it didn't look as good as this. Mm, it mm. wasn't like vastly inferior, don't get me wrong, but the facial animations in this are something else. And the attention to detail on some of the things they were doing, some of the AI quirks we've mentioned earlier. Like, it was all very cool stuff. Something that I'd like to touch on a little bit as well was the narrative of the game. This game doesn't have any cutscenes in a literal sense. There is no point in the game where the camera breaks away from your character and it either shows the scene from another perspective. Everything you see is delivered in real time from the eyes of Gordon Freeman with very few cuts to the next day or anything like that. Yeah, and you never see Gordon Freeman as a character model in the whole You game. do not, although his body model does exist in the game, obviously, as we know from the suit. But unfortunately, yes, his face is kind of a mystery in terms of seeing it fully fleshed out in the game it's on the cover it's not in the game <laughs> so, so we know what this geezer looks like and they right? kind of take the mickey out of him because he's also a silent protagonist uh something that we don't yeah. often get to see in modern day games uh both you know much to my disappointment and sometimes uh relief as well depending on just how on the nose these guys get I think Alex refers to you early on as a man of few words uh yeah. as she's basically just talking to herself the whole time <laughs> Gordon is a great protagonist for a variety of reasons. I really, I really like his style, and the fact that you can impress yourself on him is is cool as well. But I, I actually, uh, so sometimes this game is criticised in its narrative in the way that it's delivered. They say that it's a holdover from an older generation of games in terms of delivering a game that has no cutscenes. That was particularly noticeable in the first game as well. This is certainly nothing new. Whereas I kind of see it as a, it is definitely it dates a game to a certain degree. But I personally quite like it as well. The whole time you do feel like you're being interacted with as the player. Uh, the AI and stuff I found particularly engaging, and I find that. It just works better than the kind of modern day, hey, follow me while I walk really slowly and then jump over this thing while the A button flashes up on the screen. It, you never quite get that level of tutorial sort of thing. And kind of like we were talking about the puzzles as well, none of them are literal puzzles in the sense that it goes, hey, this is a puzzle. All of the puzzles are, ah, you need to get from A to B, but there is some sort of environmental hazard blocking your way, whether that be sand that spawns ants, whether that is just a tricky ledge to walk up. A water with an electric wire in it. Yeah, absolutely. Or, you know, or you need to use buoyant barrels to lift off a ramp. And all of these things, they're not puzzles in the literal sense, but it does force you to immerse yourself in the world, look at what's around you and figure out how you can use that. The ability to pick up and place objects as well as use the physics in the game for all of those ends really does kind of build this immersive puzzle around you that you have to sort of scratch your head and figure out. Find really, really enjoyable and it's a breath of fresh air. And with that, we come to the end of another episode of Total Pod Mode. Thank you for sticking with us this long. If you have listeners, we really appreciate you. Once again, thanks, guys. We always appreciate your support. And if you've enjoyed what you've listened to, you can, as always, find the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and pretty much anywhere else you get your podcasts by searching for Total Pod Mode. We also post regular video content of our playthroughs, stream highlights, as well as the podcast on our YouTube channel, Total Pod Mode. And you can also find us on Twitter by searching for at Total Pod Mode, all one word. Or you can find me at Hoodafunk on Twitter, and I'm also on Twitch under twitch.tv forward slash Hoodafunk. And you can find me on Twitter at MrBames, and I'm also on Twitch under twitch.tv forward slash MrBames underscore TPM. And with that, we leave you for another week. Until then, goodbye everyone. See you next week, guys. Bye.